You're listening to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Hello there, welcome to Beyond Synth. I am Andy Last, I host this show, and this is episode 327 of Beyond Synth, and on the show today, I am going to be chatting with the talented Anders Endger Jensen, or Anders, as uh, we learn. I try and pronounce it throughout the course of the show, but I keep uh, screwing it up. Anyways, the point is this, okay? Uh, we're going to be chatting with him in just a sec, uh, we'll listen to a song. I would just like to say, that Beyond Synth is brought to you by the awesome people who support the show on Patreon and PayPal, and I would like to thank the Kings of the Pattersons. These are the people who go above and beyond the call of duty and are very, very generous with their donations, and I call them the Kings of the Pattersons. Of course, there's the ultimate king of kings, Mr. Chris Dance, who is an amazing fellow uh, with the 88, and then, of course, there's Mike Shima with the 82. Mike Shima is also a very cool guy. And then there's Mr. Donor. That's right, we still haven't figured out who that is. I don't know if some people have been listening to the show for a while and don't understand what that reference is, but basically just some guy just donated this large amount of money at one point. <laughs> And did it anonymously in such a way that I couldn't figure out who the hell it was. So I thought, you know what, for a whole year, I am going to play the mystery donor song. Maybe they'll reveal themselves at some point. And then, of course, there's uh, Mike Erdahl with the 5666. Uh, my friends in the $50 Club, Mr. Brandon Decker and Mr. Tim Carlton. And my semi-sonic friend, Jacob Wick. So thank you very much, uh, all of you, for supporting the show. I uh, hope you enjoyed last week's episode. We did just a playlist episode with Marco and I. We're going to continue continue to do those, so just in case you haven't been paying attention, the format of Beyond Synth is now different, where the interview portions are going to be their own episode, so today we're just going to be talking to Anders, and then uh, the following episode will be a playlist episode where Marco and I play a bunch of music and have a chat, and then we do another uh, interview show, and that way we can keep the Beyond Synth flowing, maybe even more than one episode a week, who knows? Ooh, I shouldn't promise that. <laughs> That's all I really have to say. We're going to go chat with uh, Anders now. We're going to listen to a track, okay, because I did record this a little while ago. So he came up with this track, I think, after we chatted, which is a song I dig. It's called Dreams of Lyra by Anders Enger Jensen. So we're going to listen to that. And then when the song is done, we will be chatting with Anders. So that's what we're going to do. So this is Anders Enger Jensen with Dreams of Lyra.
Right, well I am here right now with Anders Enger Jensen. Is that am I saying that properly? Yeah, Anders Enger Jensen. It's called Anders Enger Jensen in Norwegian, but uh, Well, sorry, say that again slowly. Anders. 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 That's how people say it, or Anders, but Anders is is okay. <laughs> so it's like Anders. Yeah, but you, you call me Anders. That's okay. That's uh, everybody knows that. So <laughs> I mean, I like to try and say the, the the things correctly, although I end up butchering it. Yeah, but that's part of the fun. You did well. Anders, Anders. So you, of course, are a very talented uh, man from Norway, is that correct? Oh, wow, that's uh, <laughs> very nice of you. To, <laughs> I guess we try, try to stay humble uh, as Norwegians. You you make really good music, but you have these albums that have like a ton of songs, yeah. and you're capable of doing a whole bunch of different styles. <laughs> and so <laughs> last night when I was like sort of going through to pick things, mm-hmm. the bandwidth of my brain ran out, and I was just having such difficult difficulty picking songs because I'm like it was hard to find things I'm like is this indicative of his sound but then I would play the next song and it would be like a chip tune sort of video game vibe kind of thing and then the next thing would be like a synth pop thing and the- yeah I, I guess I'm a little bit what do you say uh, all kind of flavors I'm probably more in the synth pop genre I guess the one through line that I noticed with all of your stuff that if there is one thing sort of connecting it it's that you you do a lot of leads in your songs like lead melodies hmm. that remind me of like N64 era yeah yeah oftentimes there will be this lead in the high range doing this sort of melody True. and it's <laughs> I'm trying to figure like the best way I can describe it is a lot of your music reminds me of a racing game but the part where they show you the overview of the map mm-hmm. so yeah. like you know not the race <laughs> itself but the part where you load up and it's just like now playing like shiny town and then it shows you the bird's eye view of the map and from different angles <laughs> yeah. and like to me that's your music is like the music that plays during that part of <laughs> game like well i guess you're right on speaking of uh, nintendo 64 uh wave race the soundtrack to, to wave race yes. has kind of always been epic in my mind it's hard to go into the uh, the the harmonics and everything but or the um, music theory but i forgot is the kenta nagata i think that's the one the composer he made his uh kind of jazz rock la fusion inspired chord progressions and such so i guess that's kind of spoke to my heart <laughs> and it's always easier to start making the bedding of the of the song and then they can like evolve onto that and I, I usually make the beats and the drum bass keyboard stuff first and then I do the, the, the melody lines and then I kind of evolves from there maybe I change a little bit if I see that the melody needs a little bit of different vibe but it's easier for me to make a backing tracks more than lead melody so it's kind of it works together sometimes and sometimes it's kind of like flows apart so it's a little bit hit and miss I guess do you do music stuff professionally sort of but mostly not it's more for my, my own benefit I have a daytime job as, uh, as an AV tech in the rental company and uh, in Norway that's where my main income comes from because I, I didn't want to jump on the uh, professional musician wagon or just doing YouTube because uh, I, I kind of hate putting my, my face in front of the camera so you, mean, you don't look like the doom guy <laughs> no, not, not so much. I've always known you as your avatar of this, the fucking Doom guy. So. Yeah. Okay, I mean, the only reason why I asked you that was just because when I look at your band camp and the nature of the sort of variety, especially like your Retro Grooves albums, mm-hmm. there was just something to me that for some reason it just was like, oh, this guy probably like gets commission work or something. I mean, that's what it reminded me of, just because you just, you were doing so many different things yeah. that that's the impression I got was like, you know, he's, he's a gun for hire and this is like a collection of some of the work 
works he's done for like other projects or whatever, just because of the variety, I guess. Yeah, I guess you can get that vibe just looking of the of my Bandcamp and SoundCloud and such. Uh, I guess it's a little bit of everything because I grew up in the '80s, right? I was born in '77, so I got the middle part of the '80s, and maybe the the, the late '80s is more my my kind of game. Mm. But I grew up in in Norway. We, my dad and my my mom, they played a lot of uh, you know Die Straits, uh, Bruce Springsteen, uh, you know Dad Rock. Sure. You know, there's a local, there's a, a lot of uh, Scandinavian music. A Danish guy called Kim Larsen and uh, a Swedish guy called Björn Ossalius. They may be like a political inclined guys, but the music they made were well produced and uh, good rocking drums, bass, guitars keyboard parts and good harmonies and melody lines so growing up on that and I quickly discovered uh, synth music you know Tram Shamjar Vangelis all those kind of big names on the, from the 70s and the, and the early 80s as well as computer music game music you know from Sierra Online LucasArts and then combine that with uh, classical movie scores you know uh, John Williams Alan Silvestri and also in the, the final mix is uh, Jazz Rock and LA Fusion so you know Mr. Forte from uh, Iceland the Sparagyra I love all these words I, just, I like listening to you say all these names they're awesome <laughs> <laughs> but all these styles kind of merge together and I guess I've always been prone to well-produced songs and from, from my uh, early days when I played piano at the local music school it was always, you know, those very simple and banal uh, beginner's pieces, you know. Sure. And we had to recite these, right? <laughs> at those uh, recitals at school. And I always felt that um, the music always lacked a little bit of punch. So that's where my kind of background comes from. So early on I was uh, going on to synthesizers and uh, you know making my own arrangements adding drums and bass and such so kind of that's kind of stuck with me so I, to me everything has to be clear and, and punchy and I always have an affinity for happy chords you know yeah. things that can like feel wholesome and and uplifting yeah 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 so I guess that's that's where it, where it stems from so uh, and um, I guess it kind of grew from there as, as you get along and you get better stuff you know the early early stuff it was it's cringeworthy you know uh, <laughs> for my patrons I put uh, some of the early stuff from my first keyboards up on, uh, on uh, Patreon so they can listen and it's uh, you can clearly hear the ev- involvement from early or late 80s uh, early 90s to, until now so um there's a progress there. Well, how about this? Let's actually listen to some music and then we'll keep talking. So I want uh, this one I picked from um, Retro Grooves Volume 1. I picked a track called Starlight. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> what, what are you laughing? Is that a bad pick? No, no, no. That's a good one. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, let's listen to it. This is <laughs> this is Starlight by Anders and Jensen.
And that was Starlight by Anders Enger Jensen or Anders Anders Enger Jensen. Yeah, Anders. How did you say the Enger Jensen part? <laughs> Enger. Enging. Jensen. We have a soft J, not a strong J. Say the the anger part again. Enger. Enger. Jensen. Enger. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying. <laughs> I'll get it. I'll, I'll try and learn it by the end of the show. <laughs> That's good, man. That's good. Well, actually, I do have one question here. What is Silver Image? Silver Image? Oh, yeah, that's... Um, I have to go back to my... Uh, is it junior high? Oh, high, high school, I guess. I met uh, Christina. So we met at uh, like this uh, getting to know each other kind of like camping trip. And uh, she was singing. I was playing piano and we kind of hit it off. So she's been... I've been accompanying her. We play a lot of stuff, you know, performed on uh, recitals and concerts and even on the radio uh, back in the time. Uh, we did some uh, John Evangelis uh, song called Deborah. So we kind of hit it off and, you know, and, and she has a background in classical music. She actually went every Thursday or every second, uh, every, every other Thursday from the town where we grew up and back down to the, um, the capital. It was like a two, three hour drive each way trip to go to a professional um, opera singer to train her voice. So she's, she's got a, a good background there. So we wanted to do some proper music and we, we kind of split up. You know, we, she went to uh, some other uh, universities. I went to mine uh, in 2005, 2006. And we figured, hey, let's make some music because we found out we just lived uh, just a, a couple of streets away in Oslo. And then we started making some music. We kind of wanted to figure out what to do what kind of genre we're going to do pop music or do you want to and at that time i wanted to do a little bit more of nightwish you know the symphonic rock from finland so we started making some attempts at doing that kind of music and we needed a band name and uh, tried different things and we just landed on silver image so that's the the, the backstory so the story is then christina was like uh, like a childhood friend yeah from uh, 15 16 and upwards do you consider it a side band or is it like if you're in a band that's the band and then the other stuff is solo yeah uh, we, we wanted to kind of like we, we tried going professional you know but she was working a full-time job as a as a manager in a company and i was doing all my freelance work at the time we tried to make a band constellation with uh, with the bass and drum player and uh, guitar and such. So we had a constellation for a while and, and we did an EP with uh, three songs produced and recorded in a, in, a, in a professional studio. But it's a costly process and it, nobody kind of really wanted to do go full in because it's it was risky. Uh, at the time, you know, everybody has the job, you have a mortgage, you have apartments and, and houses and such. So it's hard to dive into the, uh, the deep end without any real funding. And I guess it's hard to work together and gonna make music from scratch. Christy and I kind of made all the songs uh, in the studio, and I kind of uh, laid out all the, all the tracks on the keyboard. But converting it and recording all, all the stuff into proper instruments is it's a long process, and it takes a lot of work. So it kind of fizzled out after um, four or five years, but we still kept the Silver Image name. So Christy and I do when I, when we do stuff, we do it together with the uh, Gina uh, Gina Evian who. Uh, writes lyrics so it's, it's like the three of us making making music um, or songs from scratch so that's kind of like the, 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 the constellation with vocals and lyrics uh, everything else is just done by me by myself so so then where does she record the vocals she comes to my place I have my my setup my this actually this microphone I'm talking into right now the uh, AKG uh, 414 <laughs> so, uh, that's the, uh, the classic one for those who know it 
But uh, the problem is that we, we don't uh, often get to meet because now she's uh, head of uh, H&R or something in uh, a big uh, car company. Gina is doing a lot of stuff in the hotel business. So it's uh, every other month we kind of get together and maybe we make a song. So <laughs> they have kids, you know, they have mortgages and everything. So it's it's hard to find the time to do that. It is, did music uh, on an everyday basis. That's uh, that's the problem these days. You got to sing about what you know. Maybe she can come to the table with lyrics about uh, H HR to yeah. a car company or whatever. Yeah, uh, now nah, but Gina, Gina makes she makes uh, good lyrics and then Christina kind of adapts them and then they work together and make make it. Uh, exceptionally good. Did I play a song long ago? Is that the one I played? Yeah, that was the uh, one we made a couple years ago. That was before I moved to the my to my new place. That was the one we actually I did a real bass on it, and we did some guitars and sax actually saxophone. So yeah, that's uh, one of those the projects we did. But uh, all those things I can do in my studio because it's all recorded in a, you know with a, we don't need a big recording venue sure. with, uh, for, for drums and stuff so how about this why don't we just listen to the songs here people understand what the hell we're talking about sure let's just play that one because that's a cool song a, a song long ago mm-hmm. in my library is that song actually under Silver Image or is that song under Anders Enger Jensen uh, it may be it's, it's supposed to be uh, Silver Image but I may have released it under my uh, Retro Grooves Volume 3 yes you did you name, did you slide up <laughs> yeah. But uh, all the uh, district kids' uh, revenue goes to, we divide evenly, so it's, uh, they all get their fair share. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Yeah. That's what- <laughs> I never stifle anyone that way. <laughs> well, let's listen to it. This is uh, a song long ago by Silver Image. My life has been such a
And that was Silver Image with the track A Song Long Ago. As we just learned, Silver Image is, of course, Anders Enger Jensen. Or Anders Enger. It's, it's that part that sticks me, man. Yeah. Just call me Anders. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. And Christina and Gina, that's the, that's the consolation. And Christina, what's the other name? Uh, Gina. Gina? Like, yeah. G-I-N-A. Oh, weird. Yeah. You say that Gina? Gina, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Because that's in English, that's Gina, right? We say Gina. Yeah, Gina. Yeah, Gina. We, can say <laughs> we don't say Gina. We say... <laughs> no. That's what <something> else. <laughs> No, but Norwegian Norwegian language always uh, makes people crack up. It's uh, I guess it's just as fun as, as Swedish and, and Danish. And Danish for us is really hard to understand sometimes. So it goes both ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's got a got a nice lilt to it. You know the way that it's like the tone of the voice, just the like it's like these sort of like ups and downs and the yeah. <laughs> I try to get the proper intonation, but it's hard. Wait, so who is Gina then? Is that just a third friend? Where'd, where'd she come from? We found her when we were looking for band members back in the Silver Image when we started up in 2006, when we got funding and we applied for you know some support from the uh, cultural funding here in Norway and stuff. Christina found her from somebody she knew, and then um, she was writing lyrics and, and poems and such, and she wanted to kind of like collaborate, and we just hit it off. And uh, she's been there with us ever since. Oh, I... I have another just random question. What is EOX Studios? <laughs> yeah, everybody wondered. Well, back in 1999, I was doing my civil, uh, what do you call it? That's uh, like a mandatory, if you, if you don't do your uh, military service, you kind of like do like this, uh, I, I call it civil service, but it's like instead of doing the military, you can do, not volunteer, but you get paid for it, just like in the military. So I, I went to, back to my high school and uh, we're like helping out the kids and working out the IT department and everything reviews and, and shows and stuff and then um, I started my company in 1999 like a business startup so I, I wanted to find a name and I wasn't mm, what do I call it uh, I just looked at this the Roland you know the Roland MT32 the, uh, the module for uh, you know retro gaming if you want to play Sierra games and LucasArts games you wanted to use that and in the back of the, the CM32L the, the computer version there's a list of all the MIDI commands know when you connect it and you can send the data back and forth and if you do system exclusives that's like very deep uh, messaging stuff that you can alter sounds and stuff and then there's a at the end of each of these system exclusive commands there's a, a value called eox end of exclusive and eox that's where it comes from so it was eox studios <laughs> very nerdy no that yes that was a <laughs> believe me i paid attention to the whole thing so Norway has a mandatory service thing? Uh, well, we had uh, until, I guess, uh, I'm, I'm not sure now, but uh, I think it's voluntary at this point. But back when I was doing it, that was in 1996, I was um, drafted. You couldn't get out unless you had like a big medical condition. I went in with a big, uh, I want to do it, but then I kind of like got disappointed and dude, this is not my thing. You know, handling rifles and all the stuff. And it was just a bad uh, experience. And I, I just uh, went to the uh, field minister and said, okay, uh, I'm, I'm a pacifist and blah, blah, blah. And I uh, wanted to get out. And I <laughs> to, you know. So I wrote this big... Uh, 
It was actually just the day before the first big uh, leave, you know, get a week leave uh, mm. after like doing a month or two. So <laughs> I wanted to get out of the uh, as soon as possible because uh, everybody else was leaving for like a week or 10 days. And if I couldn't get on that plane uh, together with them, I have to wait until next Monday. That was like 48 hours. When you apply to get out of the military, they have to put you out uh, within 48 hours. Mind you, this is 1996, so there is no internet, mm. at least at that point. So there was phone lines. I called a, a friend in the family or like a, to get some help. And I wrote on a, on a Microsoft Word on the computer back in the computer lab in the army camp. And uh, in the next morning, the plane was leaving at 10. I was knocking on the uh, sergeant or the lieutenant's office at 7.30, handing him my papers. And he was had signed it and said, okay, you can go. But the problem is that I had to return the uh, the, the rifle, <laughs> all the, the gear and stuff. And it's all scattered all across the camp. So I was running like crazy <laughs> to return everything. And I, I lost a raincoat. And I had to pay for it. So while I was doing that, and I have to go out, I, I got the one of the sergeant to, to drive me out of the camp to go to the ATM machine to take out money because like <laughs> they wouldn't take any, they wouldn't bill me for the raincoat. I had to pay it up front, five hundred kroners of like fifty bucks or something. Mm. And while I was doing that, the, the other guys in, the, in my camp they left for the for the airport, and I was like, oh, wait for me. And, and then uh, I got this sergeant to drive me after the guys, and I was I just barely uh, managed to get on the plane before I left. Otherwise, I have to stay in the camp camp alone with with a guard until Monday. So I love the idea of just writing the letter. I'm a pacifist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you had to kind of like convince them properly. You know, they, they ask you questions to, to weed out all the, the ones that really didn't want to do it. So. so then when it was time to, to sort of do the service, like you actually thought like, oh, I'll do this and it'll be cool. And then once you started, realize like, oh, shit, I don't want to do yeah. this. I did they're going to do some more, something called Samban that's like the uh, radio communications you know more like nerdy stuff mm. I thought it was going to be like really cool doing you know communication lines you know stuff like that but it's, it's not that much <laughs> fun I guess the weapons part and you know that Norway is uh, it's not like the states or I don't know if Canada is gun loving I, I don't think really any place is like the states when it comes to <laughs> military <laughs> stuff but uh, I really felt uneasy and didn't like handling the the guns and all that stuff and you know being forced to kill in a situation I really didn't really didn't like it so it, it was kind of serious for my my part so I just told him that sorry I tried but uh, it wasn't for me so so at least I tried it first everyone else was like trying to get out before they got in so right for me it's interesting because I like action movies I like violent video games I like you know running around with dart guns and whatever and all that stuff but then I've never had any interest in like actual guns yeah but I mean I love action things and guns like in in movies and video games and all these other places exactly but I've never translated that into an interest in actually wanting to hold or fire real ones yeah it's it's scary scary I tried it at uh, you know I've uh, you know I'm kind of like buddy with the uh, the eight bit guy and he's uh, he's always harassed for his uh, gun loving. Uh you know, he used to have this gun channel, mm. which everybody pestering for him about. But uh, he take, he took me to the, the gun range a couple of times. So it's uh, I tried to shoot and it's okay in a, in a controlled environment. But I really feel the respect for the, you know, you're holding this device that can actually kill someone. You yeah, just yeah, turn yeah. around and pop someone in your head. You're like crazy. So it's this fine line, you know, between insanity and, and sanity. Yeah, <laughs> it's also why I don't drive. Oh, you don't? I don't. Like, so my wife does all the driving and she's, she's good at it. Yeah. All I think about is this is 
is a giant metal box that can just fucking crush people. Like, that's all I'm thinking. Or if I drive too fast, I can run somebody down. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure if I drove more, I would get over that. But I kind of want, like, a golf cart or something. You know what I mean? Like, if I have to go to the grocery mm-hmm. store, like, I, I just want to drive something that doesn't feel like a car. Like, just drive a little goofy-ass thing uh, with a little dome over it or, like... Like a bumper car? I saw this old lady who drove this thing that made me laugh so hard because it was like an electric wheelchair, but it had a, a top. Oh, yeah. Like a car, so it looked like she was driving this little, like, miniature, like, bubble car around, and I fucking yeah. laughed so hard when I saw that thing, and I'm like, I want one of those. <laughs> it was like a one-person car. We have those in Norway, too. It's like a moped class, so they're road legal. But uh, they don't go f- really fast, like 45 kilometers an hour. Yeah, so. I want one of those. Because I don't care. Like, I'm not a... Um, I know there's some people who, you know, like, they're car people and they love the power. And, you know, like, oh, you get a diesel engine and you do this and that. And for me, I've only ever just seen cars as a means of getting from one place to another place. Yeah. So I don't care what they look like. The only cars that interest me are the weird concept cars. Yeah. Because they always look really cool. Like, you know, when you see those websites and all those weird future looking things, I'm like, I like that stuff. I have no interest in what's under the hood. Yeah. Or the Homer Simpson car. Oh, dude. <laughs> the fucking Homer Simpson car. That's like one of the greatest scenes of all time. The, yeah. the reveal. Someone should make that. I think someone tried to make it, I think. Let's call Adam from uh, Mythbusters. He can make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's listen to another song. I want to go to The Last Goddess. Yeah, good. I was going to suggest one of those uh, before we started. Which one do you want to play? I would like to play Miami Chase. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, I was going for Seiko's uh, theme, but okay. Well, we can do that one after. We'll have a fun time. Then you can explain to me what this is. So, uh, this is Miami Chase by Anders Enger Jensen.
And that was Miami Chase by Anders Enger Jensen. I'm here right now with uh, Anders. We're just talking about shooting guns and tiny cars and pacifism and... Uh, <laughs> Music. Yes. <laughs> so what? what is The Last Goddess? Because I don't think I've ever understood what this is. Uh, okay, The Last Goddess. That was supposed to be a game. I haven't spoken to the guy a while, uh, for a while, but uh, there's a guy who approached me and asked me if I wanted to make some music for his game. He was going to, he, he wanted to make um, you know point and click game with the old pixelated graphics. Uh, and I said, oh, yeah, that's cool. This is a very uh, low budget stuff uh, at the time, and um, so I started making some ideas, and it, it all looked well and, and okay at the time. But then suddenly, that he had some uh, personal problems in his family and stuff, so it kind of, everything kind of like fizzled out for a while. So I didn't hear anything from him. I did the opening theme. And I did some some songs. He gave me a couple of clips from the in-game stuff that he had made. So I made some of those stuff. That was, uh, actually, the, the Carmen theme and Breaking and Entering. And the Miami Chase kind of got inspired from that part. But I just wanted to make like a theme for all the four character, main characters and the main theme. So I, I made this album. It's still not 100% finished uh, in my part, but since the game hasn't developed at all. <laughs> well, sounds like your your part is uh, a lot further ahead <laughs> than the game. Yeah, sort of. The thing is that I think it could be quite cool. The story is well, you can read it on, online, but there's a mystical uh, goddess spirit. There's a professor who discovers some kind of ancient goddess entity, and she's gone or something. And, and the professor is gone, and then these four students have to track him down, find, figure out some stuff. So it's a loose story, but it's got potential to be a like, little bit of Indiana Jones and point-and-click games. So I kind of like the idea, and I figured maybe I could just do I just do some songs for my like a concept. So I've been thinking about making some more songs, just make up some stuff, some scenes here and there, and make some songs. But I haven't had time to f- finish it, so it's like a eighty percent done or seventy percent done. So yeah, what's well, taking up all your time? All of the stuff, you know, making uh, money to live, <laughs> especially these days when everything is <laughs> so expensive and there is war and pandemics and you know, yeah, and a lot of jobs that, that I have to do at work so it's kind of like eating up all my spare time and you get home and you get older and you get uh, less energy <laughs> than we used to have for like 20 years ago so do you have a nice studio set up yeah i think so i guess everyone can just go to my youtube channel and see the uh, it's a little bit old now but it's the 2020 studio tour it shows my current setup i got all my uh, retro gear keyboards and synthesizers you know hardware gear more than soft synths so it's I like to have uh, the physical gear to play on. Do you have sound panels on your walls like a cool guy? Yeah. Got uh, red ones and brown ones. (laughs) (laughs) That's the most important part, right? What color they are? Yeah, you can see them in the video. Uh, Surprised you haven't seen the video yet. Oh, dude, I have no time to do anything. <laughs> so then you're the one, you're, you're holding the, what's what's the expression? Holding the flame for this last goddess project, it seems like. <laughs> I sort of, I've I spoken to, uh, I think it's Michael. He uh, he told me that there was a little bit of a crisis in family, so everything was put on hold. Mm. I told him that I wanted to probably just release the album as a like concept album. And he was like, hey, cool, sure, do that. And uh, that was cool. So if it gets released, we'll probably use the music, of course. I may have to adapt it and stuff. But, you know, the Psychos theme was kind of like the first one I did properly. That was the one I used a uh, professional saxophone player. Uh, he's called Burga Ar. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a funny name for <laughs> everybody else. But uh, he's, he's a really good uh, sax uh, player. He loves that kind of uh, L.A. law saxophone, you know, uh, the 80s style. So. Mm. 
was a perfect match. So you should check it out when you have time. You said you wanted to play Seiko's theme. Yeah, sure. If you have time, you can do that. Hey, man, we got all the time in the world. This is my show, damn it. (laughs) There ain't no rules. No rules. (laughs) I like it. Although, I have recently sent a letter to my manager saying that I'm a pacifist and I don't want to do it anymore. But he said he's okay. gonna he's gonna bill me if I don't return this microphone, and it's a lot more than. <laughs> what's the currency over there? We're using Norwegian kroners. So, oh, yeah, it's kroners! Uh, I got a kroner club on this show. Yeah, good. Yeah, the kroner club, so the SEC, right? The S E K. Yeah, that's a Swedish kroner, and then we have Norwegian kroner, so it's N O K and S A K, and then there's D K K for Danish, the Danish kroner. Oh, yeah, I think they, uh, I think Patreon lumps the S E K and the N O K into the same place. They do, oh, yeah, maybe. I think it's uh, we have to pay. What is it now? It's eight point five two hundred US dollar. So one dollar gives us. Uh, well, if you pay one dollar uh, you know, American dollar, you get uh, eight point five Norwegian kroners. Nice. Used to be around ten. I think the Canadian dollar is somewhere in the that range too. Yeah, well, yeah, we're we're always less. We we've only been more than the American dollar. I think actually when I worked at the bank, so that was in two thousand. Six or 2007 there was a point where the Canadian dollar actually became worth more than the American dollar for like a day if you come from Canada you have, and you pay one Canadian dollar you get seven Norwegian dollars but uh, everything is so ridiculously expensive here so you, <laughs> you have to bring a lot of stuff it's, yeah, it's like seven uh, dollars for a bottle of water Ooh. You're, just, you're just every American and Canadian coming to Norway they're like oh holy crap yeah. <laughs> it's too expensive over, oh, expensive over here <laughs> is the word kroner like how do you say kroner 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 oh dude that's funny hold on but it, 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 it's, it's like the crown it's, it's like a crown so that's what it means it's like, uh, what, uh, oh, yeah. dude, I'm changing the name of the Kroner Club on this show to the fucking Kroon. <laughs> yeah. The Kroon Club. All right. Uh, well, let's listen to that track, man. Let's listen to Seiko's theme. Excellent. From The Last Goddess, this is Anders Enger Jensen.
And that was Seiko's theme by Anders Enger Jensen yeah. off the last goddess OST. And I'm here right now with Anders in the Kroon Club. <laughs> oh, what's the word for club? Uh, club. It's spelled uh, K L U B B. No way! It's really similar to club, but it's with the you have instead of C's we have K's usually, and uh, that's awesome. Just like Mortal Kombat with a K. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the combat uh, combat club. Kruna <laughs> club. Or would it be Klub Kruna? Do you guys flip things like French? No, not so much. Norwegian language, there's a lot of stuff from uh, German because we were under Danish and the German influence from the, what do you call this, uh, the Hansa. On the West Coast, there was a big uh, route of uh, uh, shipping merchants. So uh, so there was a lot of Germans on the West Coast and also on the the capital city of Oslo, which was called Christiania back in the early days. (laughs) So there's a lot of... um, this a lot is of uh, German influence in Norwegian language and Danish. But there's also the, the real Norwegian. There are two dialects. There's the uh, Bokmål, which is the Hofdeutsch uh, in Germany, or like the uh, Regal English. And then there's the uh, what all the all the guys in the, on the village used to talk. So there's the, there was this guy. That, well, we have a lot of different dialects, but then there's uh, written languages, Bokmål and Nynorsk like new Norwegian that was constructed out of the dialects that's more correct <laughs> so uh, we have two different languages in Norway and everybody hates it well I like these interesting history lessons yeah <laughs> you get music and history yeah 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 well it's nice to you know learn things about different places but we don't have uh, polar bears in the streets and we're not the capital of Sweden well, well, hey, well, there goes the rest of my questions. That's all I had written down here. It's just like, ask Anders about the polar bears. <laughs> yeah. We have polar bears up in Svalbard. That's uh, the island up north. That's where we uh, have our Arctic Ocean competing with the uh, with the Russians and uh, some other <laughs> territories. So mm. these guys, they have uh, polar bears. So they're uh, armed to the teeth with rifles and such. Or like the polar bears want into their settlements? Mm, sometimes. It, has, it happens. So, but um, now the polar bears is uh, close to being extinct. So, mm. <laughs> it's like a sad story due to the global warming issues. Yeah, and once those polar bears want to go in, you know, if they don't have a place to live, uh, they uh, will punch your head off. Yep. That's the thing about bears; people don't know realize how powerful they are. Like they can just punch okay. your head off. You, you you run or you you shoot to, you shoot away yeah. out of the situation. You almost said shoot yourself. <laughs> That's what I would do. I was just like, I see the polar bear coming, it's like, all right, I'm done. Looking, <laughs> boom. Yeah, I know. Up in Svalbard, you you have to kind of like you, you need to have a rifle with you if you go out in the in the wilderness. They really don't go into the settlement areas because it's too loud and noisy but I guess they're trying to do that because they're looking for food sure and the food is getting scarce up there so uh, you know you probably need a pretty big gun right I feel like you could, if you shot a bear nothing would happen like it would just keep running at you I think they have like those uh, pretty decent rifles that's what I see in them and uh, when there's uh, news cases from up there and sightings so I'm not a gun uh, <laughs> I don't know guns <laughs> I do I, I go up there with a fucking Uzi and a fucking uh, handgun <laughs> with a laser sight and fucking an atomic gun yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's important to have that sort of round magazine because it looks like the 20s, you yeah. know. Just If nothing else works, you just use a bazooka. Yeah, that's the only way to stop a polar bear when he's hungry. 
poor bears. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I just turned the conversation into silliness because it is incredibly sad. So <laughs> you seem to have a lot of nostalgia for like classic PC gaming. So yes. you do a lot of uh, remakes and reworks of classic songs from the uh, bygone PC era. Yes, I do. Tell me about that. Well, um, you, you probably played the old games, you know, with, with the PC speaker and maybe had an ad-lib card or something or a sound blaster. What was yeah. that game called? I feel like it was like the first Tex Murphy game. Mean Streets? Was it Mean Streets? Is that the one where you have conversations with people and then if you fuck up, they kill you sometimes? Yeah, sort of. Uh, you go around, that's the from Access Software, the other one again, the, the guys who made uh, Lynx, uh, the golf game and, and Martian Mem- Memorandum, like the Mars game that you were referring to, right? I remember I, I never was good at it because I was too young. Yeah. But what I liked was you'd get in the car and drive to somebody and then if you said the wrong thing, it could end with them shooting you and like, yeah, that, it was all still images. It was. Yeah, and it, it was like text parsers. You have to write, uh, you know, ask about blah, blah, blah or then maybe they know about it and maybe they didn't and you can bribe or you can threaten people, you know. Some people you can threaten and they... Uh, and they would uh, falter, or maybe if they're too too badass, you'd probably get shot or something. Punched? Wasn't there? Isn't there a lady that punches him in the face? I think so. Yeah. Th- this is what I remember of that game. Was just I just remember it was so cool at the time because I didn't really game too much on the PC. Like the computer was definitely like it was my dad's computer. Yeah, working computer, right? Yeah. So <laughs> used to do business. Yes, it was like you know it was for fucking whatever spreadsheets and stuff. And so <laughs> my dad did have a computer, like one of those old ones where. It wasn't even like a color screen. It was just black and green. Yeah, Heracles or just monochrome. Oh, yeah. We had had one too. On that system, I, I might have played a bit of like Space Quest or Police Quest. Yeah. There used to be this game, and I don't remember what the hell it was called, but I loved it because the music was Moonlight Sonata. Oh, uh, was it a shooting game like called uh, Fexter? Uh, Firehawk. I think it was science fictiony. Okay, yeah, this is uh, uh, this is from Game Arts. It's uh, called uh, I think it was Fexter One and Fexter Two or Firehawk. Firehawk. Yeah, if that's one of the games I'm trying to, uh, I plan to uh, recreate as well because like I got this awesome MT32 music. Firehawk. What would I type in? PC game. Yeah, I'm um, MT32. What's PC88? Uh, that's an old Japanese computer. I'm not sure if that's one of the NEC computers or if it's like the Japanese. Uh, PC Junior clones. I think it ran DOS or like a, a DOS clone. Maybe not entirely compatible with the all the IBM PCs, but you can run most games on it. And that was like a Japanese thing, I, I think. What the hell kind of word is Thexter? I don't know. That's a terrible <laughs> word. Been... That's like... <laughs> <laughs> I haven't actually checked it myself, but it's, it's stuck with me. So, But if you check uh, Thexter 2 or Firehawk, and then if you listen to the music with the MT32 version, because that's where I'm getting at, the music is kick-ass in my personal opinion. I was always compelled by classic video game music and it's funny now knowing that some of it was just covers of things and I never realized. Mm, yeah. Like Goonies for NES and I always used to love the song Yeah, and I feel like a moron because like I never even clicked in for like decades that I'm like, oh, it's the Cyndi Lauper song. Oh yeah. They're just taking the Cyndi <laughs> Lauper song and making a chip tune. but I used to, I, I never connected that so I always just like, oh, I love this fucking, this, the song in Goonies, the game and I love the melody and all this and then when I really paid attention to the Cyndi Lauper track, I'm like, oh, it's just the same song. It's a cover. It's a... <laughs> I must confess I haven't actually played that game, so I, I haven't heard it. Oh, that, it's so great. I will check it out. Well, I'm not even doing it justice here, but like, it's great. Yeah, the Goonies Part 1, the music on the NES is awesome. 
Hey, I want to just throw to a quick song. This is a little quick one, yeah. which I liked on uh, Retro Grooves Volume 4. It's got a very creative title. It's called Yamaha TX81Z Song. <laughs> oh, that one, yeah. <laughs> That's a demo song. Yeah, it's cool. I like it. That was Yamaha TX81Z. I think I said seven last time. TX81Z song by Anders Enger Jensen. Just a quick little track I thought I would throw in. Was that just you messing around? Yeah, that was uh, one of the songs I made when I got one of those TX81Z modules, which I just made by bits and pieces. So, But Esper Craft wanted me to make a song on one of his uh, episodes. I had to make a new one. So this is like just one of the, the earliest attempts at making a demo song, actually. <laughs> Nothing much to it. I know. It's a, <laughs> sometimes I just think these are certain things where I just like the sound of them. Just like, oh, whatever, let's fucking throw this in. Yeah, it's got the, all the uh, the classic DX sound in it. It's like a four operator instead of the six operator DX to get a little bit limited uh, sound palette, but still the same metallic, glassy uh, FM sound from the uh, Yamaha in the 80s. So it's there. Yeah, it's a funny thing that that instrument, that that particular synth, because there's things it does I like and there's things it does I don't like, especially when it comes to the 90s. I think that's when I pissed off Espen Craft because I fucking, <laughs> I, I messaged him one day and I think he got mad at me because I'd been doing these 90s review shows I and mean, we're still doing them with Mike, Marco and Florence and we've been listening to the Billboard number one hits of the 90s. The synth fam. Yeah, and one of my biggest pet peeves is that stupid piano marimba DX7 sound when it's played on like those love ballads. Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't want to give people the wrong impression. I don't dislike the DX7 as a machine. It's just that sound played with a particular type of music mm -hmm. just sounds so corny to me and like it drives me nuts. But yeah. then there's other DX7 sounds like I really like. You know, these keyboards, they're, they're tools, you know, and it's how you use them. And I feel like exactly in the 90s, you know, number one hits, they were, uh, in my opinion, not using them properly. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, in the 90s, uh, I guess... The the bass sound that they used. The problem is that the TX can sound a little bit dated. You have to really know how to make sounds with, with just sine waves because it's all sine waves, modulating sine waves. That's how you make sounds with the, with the FM, the frequency modulation uh, synthesis. So if you don't do that right, you can get just some crappy, you know, ringing overtones. So it's really hard to make proper sounds if you don't know exactly how you do it. So Speaking of the DX, do you have a, another song on uh, Retro Grooves Volume 4? called Reface My DX, which I like. So let's uh, listen to that. This is uh, Reface My DX by Anders Enger Jensen. Mm -hmm. 
And that was Anders Enger Jensen with the track Reface My DX. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't know, you know, uh, Roxette will look on the lyrics. It's uh, just gibberish. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that song is crazy. If you just listen to the, the lyrics of uh, The Look from uh, Roxette, it's just, what are you seeing? What are you talking about? But no, uh, this was back in 2018, I think. Or is it 2019? 2019, when um, David uh, from the, the Apeit guy was invited to Thormann, the music distributor in, in Germany. I uh, wanted him to come, but he didn't want to go alone. So if I could come, he would go. <laughs> so I got a free ticket. Just pitching around. <laughs> So I was there. I was there, and we found this. Uh, this is a Yamaha. This is not even new. It's the Reface series from Yamaha. It's like a small, tiny, forty-nine keyboard, mini keys version of of the DX. So it's like a, a miniaturized version of the DX with the professional sound, and you you can do everything in it. So I just borrowed it and made a song using that keyboard. So. Do you have a favorite synth? Hmm. I guess uh, the the Roland JD eight hundred is especially like special synth, you know, the uh, the classic from the early nineties. I do like the MKS series. That's the the rack mount uh, versions from the mid eighties. You know, the eighty, seventy, and uh, the series. I'm also fond of the uh, the Ensonic, the TS ten. So it's hard to choose actually one. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know which one I would would choose. I guess Esplincraft and I were one of the few uh, remaining fossils, still wanting uh, rack mount modules instead of just keyboard or desktop versions. So <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I like modules because I can stack them in a rack and can like have a lot of extra synthesizers that doesn't take up too much space because we don't have too much uh, real estate. So space is uh, it's kind of precious to us. So putting all the stuff in the rack and then using MIDI to control it, perfect. I like it. Or you can just buy refaced versions of everything. Little tiny keyboards with little tiny keys. Yeah, we, we hate those keys. Yeah, I need the proper size because I really can't play on the small ones. It's too... Uh, oh, it's... Uh, it's cumbersome. <laughs> Do you like a nice uh, 64 key or 61 key? 61 key, normal size. That's uh, perfect. Or 76. That's... Uh, more than enough. Ooh, 76? Yeah, they come in threes. Fucking the lap of luxury there. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, how many keys are in an actual piano? Uh, usually 88. 88 keys, 88 yeah, keys. So you can usually, you get uh, the big synthesizers you get in three sizes. You get them in 88 with uh, weighted keys. That's usually a full weighted piano mechanism. And then you have the 76 keys uh, version and the 61 key. For instance, Yamaha Motif uh, series, it's uh, usually 8, 7, and 6 denoting the 88, 76, and uh, 61 key sizes. Right. They should make like a 176 key one that's like, an, it's like a big circle that surrounds you. But they have done that, you know? What? <laughs> yeah, they have. I, I don't remember the uh, manufacturer, but there are, there is one that made a fully circular keyboard. What the fuck? Hold on. Uh, I guess it's inspired by Jean-Michel Jarre's, uh, you know, the semi-circular thing that he used back in the 80s and 90s. Whoa! Did you find it? Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. You have to crawl underneath to get inside. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe this is a really stupid idea. 288 custom-machined keys. I'm looking at a company now called the Brock 360 Circular Keyboard Gen 4. (laughs) I think it's just a MIDI keyboard, so it's not that impressive. It's just like, I think it's four individual keyboard zones that you can assign. Because if you you start playing at one end and then you go to the other one, you can like, you play more than you can actually produce in in terms of freedom. Frequencies, so it kind of stops at one end. You can, you cannot continue continuously and going up. It's going to be beyond the 
what we can hear or below. So, <laughs> do you think this thing is any good to play? Like, it looks fun, but then I'm like, I wonder if I would even enjoy the experience of playing on a curved keyboard. Like, I haven't tried it, but I guess it's almost the same as playing on a normal keyboard. Just uh, you get a little bit, it's a little bit smaller. I think it's they're wide at the far end, so it's uh, I think it's normal sized at where you start playing. This is amazing. The website is awesome for this piano arc at the bottom. Price. It isn't cheap. Please complete our quote request to learn more. Okay, I won't buy that. <laughs> I don't have the space either. Even when people sell super expensive things, they never admit that, like, look, this is a... You can't afford this. So I like that this website is just like, <laughs> you can't afford this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's for the gigging uh, musician and the people who want to be on stage and perform. So, yeah. Yeah, they, they, it never says. You have to basically ask them specifically. Whoa! Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry, I just saw the price. <laughs> okay, they uh, listed it. How much? Let's just say about the price of a high quality acoustic grand piano, the full circle with everything comes in at 58,700 US dollars. 58. Oh, $58,000. So here's what I would do. Yeah. I would buy five 61 key uh, MIDI keyboards and kind of arrange them in an octagon around me. <laughs> and then I would save $58,000. <laughs> that would work. I guess it's even more than a, a used uh, Jupiter 8 from Roland, which is now ridiculously priced. I mean, as long as it's not $58,000. It's uh, 320,000 Norwegian kroners, so... 300,000 kroners? Yeah. <laughs> Kroner. Kroner. <laughs> yeah, that's $36,000. Jesus Christ! For a used, <laughs> used Jupiter 8, it's like insane. I don't know, dude. It's not worth thirty six thousand. It's not even for collectors. It's just just bullcrap. That is uh, ludicrous. But anyway, people pay. Yeah, people have uh, shitloads of money. They pay for it. And okay, well, I can't do that. So I use my other stuff. I use my MKS eighty, which is like the rack mount version instead. See, you're you're a sensible man. Try to. <laughs> Let's listen to the track "Dark Star." Yeah, that's a good one.
I'm planning to make this space album uh, printed on vinyl. So that's one of those songs that's going to be like a, a try to make them chill, uh, like a chill wave style. But I'm, I'm trying to um, I have a, I have a plan on making an album, a uh, vinyl record. Once I get more money, uh, it's expensive as hell. Doing a like, kind of like a space collection with you know this kind of style of music. We'll see. Since you have this this sort of big nostalgia for that uh, that old era of like computer games and stuff, but do you have time to play now? Like play games? Well, yeah. Right now, it's uh, the last uh, couple of months has been a little bit less productive than I was hoping for. Uh, partly for uh, a breakup last year, and uh, you know, work has been it's insane. Everybody's opening up, and then everybody's going to do events. So it's been just work, work, work. And uh, then I had a little bit of system crash in my studio, so I have to get a new new Mac running up. And it's it's been a little bit uh, off time, so I, w- I want to play, but I need I need space to set up my old computers. So try to do more music, so I can produce stuff instead of just goofing off playing games. But I, I do it from time from time to time. I, I just actually just put up my uh, Windows ninety eight computer to try the mid range of uh, retro games, you know, from the nineties era. You know, the Grim Fandango, uh, Need for Speed three. All those kind of games. That's kind of fun. Is uh, is part of the nostalgia hearing the computer go eh, eh, make all those crazy sounds? Uh, sort of. <laughs> I just found out my old Pentium Two is very noisy. <laughs> yeah, more noisy than I thought it was. <laughs> we don't have any old computers anymore. Like all the old systems, we just kind of kept. And then there was a point where I'm like, we're never using these things. We had old files on floppy disks and stuff and I mean this was still maybe like six or seven years ago where I was just like you know what let's just fucking get all of whatever old word documents or whatever off these floppy disks and transfer them before we trash this old computer and I was so surprised at how slow and loud that thing was like I had completely forgotten like putting a floppy disk in the machine to retrieve one megabyte of data and it's like like it just made the craziest noises and it took so long and like all it was was fucking like a bunch of old word perfect documents so like we couldn't even load the damn things like there's like no software that would like they usually took around one minute and I guess 10 seconds reading a a full 1.44 megabyte floppy and it, when you had the game that was like five or maybe nine discs and yeah. you got to disc number eight or nine and then you got this general error reading drive and like oh no yeah. <laughs> then the game is pooched so you can't play it <laughs> that was our everyday life back in that so I, I always made copies and uh, tried to use my copies as well but uh, we were always like kind of crossing our fingers oh please please work please work <laughs> just think about how the technology has gotten to a point now where if I'm not using fiber internet, yeah. I'm frustrated because I'm on my PlayStation going like, oh, I want to download this game, but it's 38 gigs, <laughs> and I'm downloading it through the air, and it's super fast because it's like fiber, right? So I'm watching it like, oh, it's going to be 11 minutes to fucking download this like 38 gigs. <laughs> and then I think back in the day of like, <laughs> yeah. you know, retrieving one megabyte of data, and it's like yeah. all this noise. And Back in the day, anyway. uh, my first own computer, we had the 286, 10 megahertz. That was my my dad's computer with a, with a monochrome screen. Yeah. Windows 2. 2.11 I think and DOS 3.3 I got it upgraded to 5.50 uh, and then Windows 3.1 I think that was the latest I got then I got my own 3.11 I saved up some money and I got my own 286 16 meg- megahertz with a 2 megabyte RAM and 40 <laughs> megabytes of hard drive space 
Holy so shit! I could, I could choose to have Windows installed and a selection of smaller games, maybe one big Sierra or LucasArts game, you know, Monkey Island, stuff like that. Or I could delete Windows and have several big games. <laughs> that was the selection, yeah. that was the choices you had back then. Nowadays we have terabytes and petabytes of data, you know, <laughs> so you can just do everything you want. But back then... You have to select what game you want to install. Yeah, that's amazing. Man, these kids today, they'll never understand. They'll never understand. You know, cassette taped with uh, with a pencil. (laughs) (laughs) Rewinding it. What is Steal This Riff? Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, the the modern uh, trend of, you know, short videos from YouTube and Instagram Mm. and stuff. So as an old guy, I kind of hated them. And then it popped in my feed and like, okay, I'm done. Scroll and scroll and scroll. <laughs> so I fell sucker for it. And uh, suddenly this guy came across like, hmm, this guy playing keyboard. And I was like, oh, that riff is kind of cool. So I saved it and I figured, hmm, maybe I should try and look, maybe I can try and make something of this. And because he's, he's playing some riffs and it's, he says, okay, steal this riff and, and tag me. So I figured, okay, it's called Taddy and it's from Norway. So I finally got around to make this song. Well, it's super catchy. So is the premise then that this guy has like a, like a video channel where he just like plays a little thing? and then like challenges the audience to do something with the riff yeah he's a teacher so he uh, he's working not far from me so and he plays guitar and he plays guitar quite well actually I think his guitar is the, the main instrument he's playing he just plays guitar riffs and keyboard stuff and then put it out there and hope that people will pick it up and make something uh, from the riffs and make a new song from the, that kind of riff how do you pronounce that guy's name? Tadia 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 I love because when I look at it in my English mind, it's like <laughs> featuring Turge Tilden. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> yeah, Turge. <laughs> that's what it looks like to me. <laughs> yeah, Norwegian names will always be uh, funny. Uh, yes, you know. they they're amazing. Let's listen to it because this is like a super just catchy, fun little thing. Sure. This is Steal This Riff, Episode Seven, featuring Tadia. Tadia. <laughs> <laughs> featuring Tadia Tilden.
All right, and that was Steel, this riff from episode 7 from uh, from Tadia, right? Tadia yeah, <laughs> that's correct. And this is the en- Anders Enger Jensen's version. He's taken this catchy riff that this, this gentleman has challenged people to make something with, and Anders Enger Jensen has turned it into a fun, cool song. <laughs> Uh, that just makes you happy when you listen to it. Hopefully. <laughs> Back in the other days when we had the, the 286, 386, 486 machines, the music was usually just PC speaker. Maybe you had an ad lib card, some was a card or something. But I was always wanting to have the, the Roland, the Roland MT32, right? That's a MIDI module. It was primarily aimed at, um, at uh, professional musicians to kind of like, you know, compose music. Because it's got uh, nine parts with the uh, drum kit and stuff, but Sierra games, you know, King's Quest and uh, and uh, Space Quest, you know, Police Quest, they promoted this module with their games for a while. So all the Sierra games supported uh, at least from like eighties eight eighty nine and so forth. So you can have uh, Roland music, which was equal to really quality music because the composers had a lot of instruments and polyphony and uh, and voices you could actually program the module you can program the sounds to whatever you wanted back then it, it sounds dated now but for the time it was uh, just a, a whole new world and that kind of music kind of always stuck with me so that's that's where my affinity for game music or retro game music comes from including uh, tracker music from Amiga you know from the, the 4 channel mod files and XM files it was also popular one thing you turned me on to which I never heard when I was young was that Commodore song yeah Keeping up with which is with amazing, the like yeah. that, that fucking ad for Commodore. Never saw it myself. No, I was introduced uh, to this by uh, you know just being friends with David, uh, the eight bit guy. Okay, he's really into Commodore sixty four and stuff. So so he turned me into that. Oh, have, you, have you seen this before? And I'm like, oh no, because we didn't have in Norway because we are a poor country <laughs> compared to the US. We had one channel until 1991, 93, when we got TV2. That was the second broadcaster. You could have other channels if you had cable or satellite, but who had that? Only the most spoiled kids, because it cost shitloads of money. So uh, until that, we just had one channel, and there was no commercial on NRK, the national broadcaster. Right. It's, that's the channel that's supposed to be free for uh, from commercial. But TV2 is a commercial channel, so they have commercials. So back in the 80s, we didn't have any commercials in our uh, TV. Right. Bereft of all the classic Coca-Cola ads and Commodore ads and, you know, all the stuff that you guys grew up with. Yeah. I mean, I was in Canada, so we... Mostly we got, like, the same American ads, but we still got, like, Canadian versions. It's funny, like, (laughs) even though we're neighbors with the States, we have kind of different products. Yeah. And sometimes they're, like, the same product, but they're just called something different. We also had different cereal mascots. Yeah. For the... Kellogg's. For the breakfast cereal. (laughs) Yeah. We had Kellogg's. We had the... Homnikorn. I don't know if it's the same. <laughs> Is that how you say cornflakes in the... No, that's... Uh, we had cornflakes. That was one of the big ones. But he also... Um, I don't know what you call it in English. It's like uh, uh, puffed... Um, puffed wheat. Puffed wheat, yeah. With uh, honey. So it's called homnikorn. So it's honey uh, wheat. <laughs> Yes. I love your language. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have any commercials, though, so we're only the guys who had Sky Channel and uh, listened to uh, UK. Right. Maybe uh, MTV, if you ever lucky. Yeah. <laughs> MTV Channel, wow, you were the best. <laughs> Is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about? I don't know. Uh, music? <laughs> well, 
<laughs> You're on the wrong show. <laughs> yeah, music and and all the other stuff. <laughs> I was a geek. I didn't. Uh, I wasn't out partying with the other kids. I uh, stayed in with my computer and my keyboard. I grew up in a rural town, so I wasn't out in the in the village area. There wasn't much to do anyway. We had MacGyver though. That was cool. <laughs> MacGyver was like the hero. It was so fun. <laughs> did they change his name? Like, did they do a dub? No, no. Uh, most American programs were subtitled in Norwegian, but. All the original we don't dub here, so thankfully. So, just like in Germany, wherever or Hungary or you know France, everything is dubbed into local. <laughs> That's just crazy. Right. What, what is your connection? Because you keep on bringing up Eight Bit Guy. Like, yeah. What's your connection with him? No, that was uh, that was a fun story. It was in the summer of 2016. So it was quite recently. It's a summer vacation. I had no place to go. I was bored. Just surfing YouTube, and I I seen the Eight Bit Keys, which is like his sister channel. Then I'm like, oh wow, that's kind of cool. And I was looking through all his videos, and and I figured, oh, this intro song that he was doing, I was a little bit uh, amateurish. He, he said so. He just he made it by himself, just using one of the old Yamaha keyboards. And I figured, hmm, what if I beef it up? So I made this chiptune inspired thing, since he was also into Commodore 64 and stuff. And I sent him an email. Hey, you want to use this? Just made this remix. You want to use it? And I was like, uh huh. Well, he he liked it, and I was like, that's kind of cool. So he wanted to use it. And at the same time, I had also uploaded my uh, a, a selection of my songs to this um this, this radio called Scene Sat Radio. You know the demo scene. There's a, a an internet radio where some of my music had been uploaded by others. There was only like five songs. I was wanting to put my latest song up there so I can like renew the the catalog. And I sent the guy who was doing that a link with like 30 songs. But I since I had uh, actually just done that, I sent this link to David as well because he was uh, complaining that he didn't have any music he could use that wasn't copyright free. And I told him, hey, you can use my music if you want it. I, it's not uh, copyright at all, so free to use <laughs> and that was kind of like the, the big uh, moment and he started using my music and people were like, oh where's this music from I can't download where can I find it blah 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 and then everything just boomed from there so if you look at my SoundCloud uh, statistics from 2007 when I started it was like 800 plays a year and then Boom, so 26,000 plays in, in the end of uh, 2016 and then 320 and 420,000 plays the following year. So just hooking up with David that way and just using, letting him using my music for free just to get the exposure. Kind of like reverse of what everybody, every musician actually complains about. You know, you always hear this this rant about when people are asked to, oh, can you, can you make music for me and you can get exposure for it because, you know, people want to get paid. I did actually do that and it helped me because that generated more plays and then people started buying my music on Bandcamp and I made cassettes and you know vinyls and people bought, bought that and they kind of just like a big snowball running. I think the whole thing with exposure is it has to be coming from someone who actively supports the particular art, yeah. you know what I mean? Because I know there's some people who like, yeah, they might they might be like a YouTuber with like, you know, millions of subscribers, but it's like it's not the kind of audience that would look into those sorts of things and then they don't 
credit them or they don't say what music is playing or whatever. And I think in this particular situation, it's sort of a good pairing because obviously like 8-Bit Guy has has a huge following and it's a nerdy channel of people who I think are are the type of people who would look into the details, like the type of, you know what I mean? Like, because that's the whole premise of the channel is, you know, like examining old gear and really going into the nitty gritty of like Mm, what things do and stuff. And so it's like, it's the right type of audience that would actually appreciate and check out the things that are connected with the show whereas like you know you know there's like other huge YouTubers who are like hey I play video games all day and I'll put your music in the background and you'll get exposure but the people watching don't really give a shit about where the music's coming from it has to be right it was a stroke of luck because not everybody can do this you know I was fortunate that David had I think he had like 500,000 or 800,000 subscribers at the time and not so much on my sister channel but the way that he used the music and then also kind of like really credited music in each video sometimes he uses other people's music so they get a little bit of uh, flair as well so yeah but to hell with those guys am I right? Nah, everybody's got a chance I'm here for <laughs> Anders Enger Jensen I'm not here for those other fools yeah, so, but, uh, but that was kind of fun so uh, because I also sent David you know some I donated some uh, Roland MT32 modules and stuff like that and also did that with LGR so I kind of like snuck my way in here and there you know the Techmon guy from from the UK um, also found Espencraft in the same area and we kind of started chatting and so it's uh, it's been like a fun endeavor of uh, you know getting to know people across the internet so internet isn't yeah. all bad that's cool that's what I like I like nice uh, happy success stories because most of the time the internet is full of shit <laughs> yeah, I found you as well yeah <laughs> I don't know why where I found you but I don't know where I found your uh, podcast maybe was it on Facebook or was it I'm not sure I have no idea I don't know how anyone finds it at this point <laughs> but I tell you what I would I would love the 8-bit guys following yeah. because he's got a <laughs> he's got a lot of subscribers I don't know <laughs> if it's, there's any benefit being my friend but like you know if you're pals with people who have uh, a lot of subscribers, that's nice. If you feature him, maybe you can, um, because then he can push the uh, push an episode, <laughs> and then you can get some sure. <laughs> Point is this: we got to wind down here. How about you pick a track, and then we'll 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 wind down. Well, which track to choose? I'm not sure, but let's uh, let's try. Um, there's a song I kind of like, uh, "Running with You." All right, man. Well, let's do it. That was a song I made. Uh, I made with uh, the road the Yamaha SY ninety nine and uh, just went from there. So it's sort of just a fun uh, upbeat peppy song. Well, I like upbeat and I like peppy. So let's do it. This is running with you by Anders Enger Jensen.
And that was Running With You by Anders Enger Jensen. Anders! And we've been uh, we've been chatting here today and uh, having a good time, but now we got to say goodbye so that you can go and make some more music. Yeah, well, I'll try to do that after Easter vacation right now, so I'm going to try to make some more stuff. I have a lot of uh, unfinished projects, so hopefully I can finalize some of those and put them out there. So that's going to be fun. Well, go collect some eggs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to find some Easter eggs. I live on top of the supermarket, so it's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you can go in your own egg hunt when they close <laughs> yeah. and then just kick the door in and, <laughs> and do an Easter hunt. Yeah, <laughs> should be fun. But look, man, uh, isn't it was nice talking to you. Yeah, likewise. Uh, you're a cool guy. You make fun tunes. And, of course, you've uh, you've been a, a lovely Patreon supporter, so thank you for that. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And uh, we look forward to hearing more cool tunes in the future with retro grooves five yeah <laughs> retro grooves five i have also trying i'm actually going i think the next one is going to be the uh the retro games i'm gonna do all my uh covers from uh, duke nukem song and doom links all those songs and put them on the vinyl and uh at least the cassette maybe vinyl if i have uh, if i can afford it it's gonna do a couple more songs i have uh, like 10 12 songs the album first. Well, who knows? Maybe that'll be out when this this uh, episode drops. Yeah. You know, I record these things like eight months in advance, Oof. so you might even have like <laughs> six more albums by the time this comes out. <laughs> Maybe. The problem is these days, uh, making vinyl records, it's insane. Uh, we have uh, uh, the 8-Bit Guys uh, Attack of the Pes- Petsky Robots. We made uh, a soundtrack for that, right? And the vinyl is seven months delay or waiting period now for making vinyl records. It's crazy. They gotta find a another way to, to get the materials maybe they should know. be like melting tires down <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm not a very smart guy so like anytime something's just like plasticky and black I just figure like <laughs> well they can just melt some tires and make some <laughs> isn't that how it works uh, I think you need some more hard plastic like that for, for those but mm. uh, yeah so well, we'll see but I'm uh, probably I'm gonna make some more uh, vinyl records and uh, probably sell them on uh, David's store I guess because uh, shipping from Norway is insane these days it costs $45 just to make a ship uh, cost it's crazy well good luck with that thank you <laughs> <laughs> anyways man listen you have a, a lovely Norwegian day you too. keep on being a cool guy and uh, making cool music and we'll play it on the show thank you that's great and thanks for having me on the show no goddamn problem right I'm trying. I'm trying a new uh, cool guy voice when I say goodbye to people, but it doesn't work. I don't think "no goddamn problem" is even an expression. So <laughs> I'm messing this thing up right at the end. That's cool. Just just cut to the jingle. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Take care, dude. Thank you too. You too. Bye. All right, and that was my chat with Anders, Enger Jensen, Anders. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. A lot of uh, nerdy stuff discussed here this week. I know some of my listeners, some of you out there are big old nerds, and so you like hearing about old computers and stuff. And uh, hey, man, I'm here to please, all right? 
I'm here to please all you nerds with uh, computer talk. Anyways, uh, that's it for this episode of Beyond Synth. So I hope you enjoyed the chat. Tune in next time. And of course, uh, as always, I like to remind everybody that if you like the show and you want to support it, uh, go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth or uh, beyondsynth.com and click on the PayPal button. There's also a PayPal me link as well in the episode notes. You know, do it up and uh, and I'll shout out your name because we don't uh, have sponsors on this show. So essentially, uh, the Patreon shoutouts are in place of uh, sponsorship announcements. You know, because a few minutes of every episode is probably devoted to me just thanking these these names. But at the same time, a lot of my favorite podcasts and probably a lot of podcasts you listen to, they will literally stop and just do an ad read for like five minutes, right? And so I figure it's like the same thing, except I don't do like a five minute chunk. I don't know why I need to explain this to you. It's just... <laughs> I'm always second-guessing every single choice I make. Anyways, uh, listen, have a lovely week. Tune in next time to Beyond Synth, the best Synthwave chat show there is. And uh, have a lovely day. Oh, I should... (laughs) I should have ended it on the other sentence. Okay, I'm out of here. Talk to you later. Beyond Synth is made possible by the supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a supporter at patreon.com slash beyondsynth or donating via PayPal at beyondsynth.com. If you want to submit music to the show, please email beyondsynthsubmissions at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to Beyond Synth on YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook. May the Force be with you. Beyond Synth is made in partnership with your mom. (laughs) 